Hello and welcome to episode 990 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, December 3rd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Got a little bit of a headache that I'm uh, that I'm trying to kick here, but uh, otherwise, okay. We are in a lockout, so uh, we don't have anything to talk about. So thank you for listening. We'll catch up with you next week. <laughs> it's the fruit draft, right? It's time for the That's fruit right. draft. That's right, baby. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> for those who don't know, my, my wife made a snide remark about, in spite of the fact there's a lockout, I'll still figure out ways to go in my office and like draft fruit or something. And then Fantasy Baseball Twitter went crazy talking about what picks would be the best for a fruit draft. Because of course we did, because yeah. that's the kind of dorks that we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, I showed her my sick draft list, 78 fruits. Come on, like I'm not going to rank 78. Yeah, Sure, I only need six in this draft between the two of us. But, uh, you know, I got to have 78. <laughs> We're not doing a fruit draft. Don't worry, folks. In that, fact, that, that'll stay on Twitter. <laughs> exactly. Um, before the lockout, uh, or between our last episode and the lockout, uh, there was enough moves to give us a whole nother moves episode here. I don't know that we're going to get into these outfield disputes or uh, uh, debates that we that we have lined up for the second half of your outfield rankings because there were so many moves. Now, they're not as high impact. There's some biggies, but the, a lot of them are smaller. But we also play a lot of deeper leagues. So all the way down to the 10th one, well, maybe maybe all the way down to the 9th. You made fun of the guy who's at 10. And you're probably not out of, out of bounds for that, but we'll get to him. Um, but yeah, these, these moves all have have some viability depending on league type so uh we're gonna dive in talk about them and uh try to avoid worrying about the lockout because <laughs> here's the thing right now it isn't a big deal uh we're a long way from it being problematic you know i would have to start to cut into spring training um and even that would still be you know not the end of the world yet if you know they missed like a week of spring training hopefully it's not like that that would be a nightmare and if these idiots don't get things figured out a i wouldn't be surprised but i would be remarkably angry so we'll see how that goes but we got plenty of stuff to talk about let's start with a big one that really floored me here and i wonder uh i i have a big question for you on this one uh marcus stroman to the cubs And, you know, he got paid, which is probably first and foremost driving his decision as it as it should get your money. Uh, 24 mil, basically 23.7 mil is what he stands to make in the three years, plus some potential escalators that can push it up even further. But I wonder if when you saw this move, Justin, did you think that this signified that the Cubs were going to have their retooling be a bit quicker yeah, I think that seems like that's what the plan is. I don't necessarily know how that works. Uh, I mean, they'd the, have to stop crying poor, right? Well, that first, and, first I and mean, foremost. like, this is a roster that has very, very little on it. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Especially I offensively. Agree. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, and I, I guess it's, it's a, a weaker division. But still... Yeah, I mean, when when you're rolling out your your top four hitters are Ortega, Schwindel, Wilson Contreras, who's been rumored to be on the block, yep. uh, and Ian Happ. Who we love, but come on. I mean, he shouldn't be kitten cleanup, though. Like, exactly. 
Uh, he's like a good six hitter right now until he proves that he can that he can you know be better than that and be more consistent. So your your point is not lost there. And, and at they all. have zero top one hundred hitting prospects. Like yeah, n- nobody's particularly close. Brennan Davis is probably the closest, and he should debut in in twenty two if he if he's you know solid. He crushed AAA for the uh, fifteen games that he played. And so he'll get more time there. And he is a top one project. So, okay, so there, there's there's yeah. one. One, yeah. Um, and I think he'll beat the 2023 ETA that he got because, like I said, he played really well in AAA in his short time. He'll he'll you know go back there, stay there for like a month, and then we'll see what's up. But that's not you know that's not going to change things. Even if Nelson Velasquez, one of the uh, fall league standouts, even if there's some legitimacy to that, and and he is a player for them. By the way, he peaked at Double A this year, so he hasn't even hit Triple A. So it's not like he's going to break camp. But even if that's legit, and Davis and Velasquez come up um, in May, that still doesn't fix this offense. But I but I couldn't help but look at the Stroman deal and think, well, I is he really going to go sit there and wallow uh, with the Cubs for a few years? I thought maybe this was an indicator that they are going to, you know, open the purses up and start to spend some money. Are they a potential fit for Story or Correa? Yeah, I mean, you would have to think they would be. Um, Nico Horner is probably best suited to be like a super utility guy anyways. Yeah. Uh, And maybe they say, hey, listen, we heard this with... Uh, the Nationals, who are interested in in Korea, and I think Story as well, that they weren't necessarily thinking they were competing this year, but as part of like their their rebuilding process, maybe that's a guy that would fit there, and it makes exactly. sense I mean, for the Cubs. That's what the Tigers did, right? They're mm-hmm. not competing this year necessarily, but Baez is there for for twenty three and beyond, uh, with the hopes that they continue to build on what they did after April. Of, of this year. So I could see that. And uh, you mentioned Horner because he's penciling it short right now. And maybe he also, you know, he, he bounces between second, third and short consistently and just kind of plays all three of those positions. He actually played a little outfield last year too. Maybe that's an avenue for him to stay in the lineup and then Correa or story uh, slots in as the everyday shortstop. Because here's the thing that uh, leads me on a little bit of a tangent here before we, before we get some numbers on Stroh. What is their market right now for Story and, and Correa? And it's not that I don't think they'll get paid. They will. Somebody will sign them. Mm. But is there an obvious market for them? Uh, I mean, the Yankees, uh, the the Angels. So yeah, I, I yeah I agree with I agree that you know, you know the Houston's got to run someone out at shortstop. Maybe maybe Correa ends up back in Houston. That, that, that's kind of what I've thought. I, I felt like maybe well. I've actually thought maybe story and you say, well, why wouldn't they just get their own guy back? Because I think he's going to require the 10 years and I don't think they want to do that. I think you can get a seven, eight year deal with story and sure. It's still a big, you know, a a big fee to to do that in seven years is still pretty long, eight years, pretty long, but it is that extra two to three years uh, uh, that you don't have to commit that you are going to have to with, with Correa. Cause I just don't see a way he doesn't, stick on the 10 year thing. So Houston makes sense. Um, you mentioned the angels, the Yankees, and then these two rebuilding teams, the Cubs and the Nats could also be fit. So it's not necessarily like we, we as obvious as it was when Texas and Detroit were in the mix. Cause they were, they were front runners for There's both. There's also they been out. talk that 
Correa has been talked to for, by some teams about playing third base. Um, he has the arm for it. That's for damn sure. And I, I mean, he's already said he doesn't necessarily want to, but in the right situation, he would definitely consider it. And I, I don't know if that's what just about you for know, the Tigers. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> in a, in a Texas twist. Yeah. That, I mean, you know, if 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 they if the top. I don't think the Tigers are necessarily out of it either because Bias can play second. Uh, That's true. That's true. So I think there are more teams that are involved than uh, than maybe we're hearing. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, we're going to have to wait until the lockout is over yep. uh, to find out where these guys are going to land. But, uh, you know, I, I could see a number of teams getting involved on these guys. It's. Uh, a bit surprising considering all the money that was thrown around early that these guys didn't get paid, you know, before before the lockout. So, Unless I'm missing something, I haven't heard a peep on Story. Story had some Texas rumors uh, before, before they okay, went before Seager. And I want to well, say Anson. Seattle. Uh, oh, that's another team. Yes, yes. I think they could get in on this too. I know they have J.P. Crawford, who they do like, but I think there is some flexibility there. Maybe they are a fit to put Story or Correa at third uh, yeah, or I second. If, I wonder if Story is the more likely one to move off of short. I mean, he's not like a particularly strong defender. He's like he's like solid, right? You know, he, he fourth percentile now it's about above average. Oh, so I mean, oh, and I mean, I though those kind of oh, metrics, I defensive metrics suck. So let's you know. Um, well, the, but that says something. I, I, I will I will be less uh, firm than that when saying they suck. They're they're noisy, and even the people who create them say that using single, even single year ones, let alone like taking two months into the season and be like, this guy's a good defender now, or this guy's a bad defender. They're so noisy that you need a large sample. And generally the large sample is like three, four seasons to really see where somebody is. So uh, I think the reason you bring that up is to say that that is stories outs above average from last year, but that doesn't mean that he sucks at shortstop. Uh, because like I said, I, I was under the impression that he was like solid average. And then I hear fourth percentile and I'm like, damn. So I think he's decent. Um, he had obviously had a rough year and outs above average this past year, but he can definitely hang. Uh, Seattle would be an interesting fit. We'll see where they go. I just wondered if maybe the Cubs would be a great fit there too. Again, to continue to jumpstart their rebuild to go with Stroman. So let's circle back to Stroman. What do his numbers look like here? Because I know there were some St. Louis rumors that would have had me really excited with their 412 gold glovers. Uh, what does he do on the, on this team with this defense? Do they have the guys to turn his uh, ground balls into consistent outs? I mean, I think uh, Horner and Madrigal up the middle are pretty good. Wisdom, not super confident with. But yeah. again, this like this could be a team. like If they were to get in the Korea... Uh, race uh and sign a guy like Correa which you know they're a team that definitely could uh that would make their defense I think much better uh so I I think he's gonna be you know Marcus Stroman-ish uh you know he's a career 363 ERA guy that sound that feels about right okay uh, you know career 20% strikeout rate that that sounds about right yeah um, I, I 
that's just he's that's not, just who he is. He's not a guy who gives up a ton of home runs. So you know, even when it kind of you know blows in or, or warms up in regularly, like I, I'm not super worried about like him giving up like a ton of ton of bombs or anything like that. Maybe the home run goes up a little bit leaving uh, City, uh, but. I can't imagine it's going to like go through the roof. So I think he's like a perfectly uh, stable, safe floor, unsexy kind of mid rotation option in fantasy. Yep. I I think I agree with that. I think he's established himself uh, as the guy that we've seen and he's entering his age 31 season. I don't see why we would suggest that he will veer much from what he's done. And, you know, despite his size, he's been a workhorse, really only 2018. Uh, he sat out 2020. Uh, we'd throw that off to the side anyway in terms of a full season. But uh, since 2016, 204, 201, 102, 184, 179. So just the one down year in terms of innings, that was just a rough year in general. The performance wasn't there either. But I like where you're at with his numbers pretty much just being Stroman-esque. Um, let's move to Chris Taylor. He resigns with the Dodgers. So not as exciting because nothing really changes there. Good pickup for them, though. Obviously, he's become, you know, kind of a Ben Zobrist of his era where he can play anywhere for them. You know, and it winds up getting him more or less everyday playing time, 568, 604, 414, and 582 plate appearances the last four full seasons, uh, 214 in the 2020, which actually was a full season, 56 games. And solid pop, sprinkle of stolen bases, good runs, good ribbies. And, uh, you know, usually a passable average. He's a 244 career, but since joining the Dodgers, Chris Taylor has a 265 average. So uh, his average is held down a bit by some of those early days with Seattle. When, oh, wait, excuse me. That was uh, that was his steamer projection, 244. He's a 261 career. Why is it – why do they have him at a 244 when he's hit 288, 254, 262, 270, 254 the last five years? That's weird. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I would probably project him towards his uh, career average. At, at yeah, I think uh, I think I would just be there with with Taylor. So moves back. Um, they don't have Seager. Mm-hmm. They do have Gavin Lux, uh, but obviously he's no Seager. Is Taylor now finally a, uh, a an unquestioned full timer? Meaning, does he assume more of a set position? as opposed to being the super utility. Like, is he the more or less everyday second baseman? Or do you still think he's infield, outfield, play five, six times a week, but not necessarily at one position? Where, where do you put Taylor's playing time with uh, Seager gone now? My assumption is he's going to play more at second base, but I don't think he's necessarily a set position guy. I mean, it seemed like Lux played a lot of outfield towards the end and he did that is kind of where Lux ends up is in the outfield uh closer to full time although those playoff uh some of the playoffs in the outfield maybe wasn't as uh ringing of an endorsement that he can handle it yeah. you know you don't want to judge off like a few misplays but they, they, they were pretty big yeah so I mean I I, I think Taylor's going to be a guy who moves around quite a bit still uh but I do think this is the year he gets kind of like a career high in terms of like plate appearances or, or at least close to what we saw in like 2018, which was, you know, 604. So uh, I could see him getting 
you know, kind of run like that. Uh, this last year was great. 20 home runs, 13 stolen bases, and 148 games. Mm-hmm. Um, I took him in the 11th round of this draft I'm doing. Uh, I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah, because especially because uh-huh. he's, I believe, second, short, and, uh, and, and outfield. Eligible. And outfield, yep. So, uh, yeah, he, he's a guy I really like. I think he's still going too low in drafts. He's just perennially uh, underrated. Um, and it's a, a really good move for the Dodgers, who were oddly quiet. In, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I know they were in on some of the, the, the action that were going and just, I guess, missed out on Scherzer. But um, it, it speaks to their depth, though, because in my head I go, they didn't do anything this offseason so far. This lineup's got to suck. And you look at the lineup like, oh, no, this lineup's still fucking amazing. That, that was exactly the point I was going to make. It's like, I agree with you that they've been quiet, and yet they can afford to be. Yeah, they're still great. And... I think their starting pitching is what what they need to address, and probably Correct. a little bit of their bullpen. Uh, if they're going to get like a front line uh, guy, they did sign Daniel Hudson. Um, he basically they... replaces Knievel. Yeah, so I, I don't know if they're going to be a team that's in on Kimbrel, maybe, um, or if they're uh, or if they're going to kind of roll, or maybe they bring back Henley, um, but. Their offense, I think, is pretty well set with their depth. Uh, yeah, this is, unfortunately, as a Giants fan, this is a, still a really good team in spite of not really making many moves. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, they're still good. And they could come out of the uh, the lockout and, and, and make a few impact moves, and then all of a sudden they're right there anyway. So. They also have a top 100 prospect who's really interesting uh, in Michael Bush, who should like be Michael up, Bush a lot, uh, who should be up at some point this year. And when Michael Bush comes up, I think he becomes the everyday second baseman, and we definitely see Taylor, you know, moving around more. I still think Taylor gets to 550, you know, 600 plate appearances, though, especially yeah. with the Max Muncy news, which is scary. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that that's what we're going to be looking at with Taylor. He's going to continue to play a bunch, and you should feel confident drafting him. I like you said eleventh round. I love that triple eligible, all good. And by the way, the Max Muncy news is that he's not recovering as quickly as he would like from the elbow injury, and so and apparently you know, he has a torn, partially torn UCL. That's not good. Yeah, that's not. No, that's good, been so. like debated whether he actually has it but he said it himself like it it wasn't like a rumor came out and then the team squashed it he said it like on television and then the team was like well no it's not really partially like no no no, it's cool it's cool it's cool we can still trade him no no no, do not do not draft max muncie he was like my fourth first baseman and now he's like my 24th first baseman yeah i i had to move him down and i cried the whole way because Mm -hmm. i i love max muncie but with this kind of uncertainty you know, I, I actually got him by another guy who who had a big injury, uh, Reese Hoskins. Mm, yeah, uh, down down there for the same reason. I like both, but with the health, you you got to be a bit more cautious. Had to move him down to second base as well. Uh, obviously, uh, is Muncie triple eligible? Does he no, still have just third? first and second? I believe just first and second. Okay, yeah, I moved him actually below um, below Lux at second base. Like I moved him way down. Oh, so. Speaking of which, the people are clamoring for your ranks on, on the ranking stock. Oh, okay. Then I, I, I need to get that done. I've been working on my on my uh, fantasy black book profiles, my, mm. my picture ones, uh, all week. And my when I haven't been doing my 
doing the pod or my articles for Fangraphs, it's all been straight up uh, black book. Those are due today, though. So the the, the my time opens uh, as, as far as the weekend goes and into next week, and I'll I'll get my ranks because they're 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 in they're ready. They're in a sheet. They are ready to be shared and roasted. I so, uh, I moved Max Muncie down to thirty eighth at second base. Damn. That's how deep second base is, folks. I mean that you know that that's pretty much saying he he's not on my board. I'm looking. Yeah, yeah. I mean we're we're giving we're giving up on him right now with this with this news. I'm willing to let somebody else take him, um, and then I'll adjust as we get to spring. Basically, no Muncie for me in winter drafts. If we get some great news in spring and he's playing and he looks healthy. I'll jump back in, but as it stands right now, y'all can have him. Yep. And that's tough for me to do because I really like the player. I'm a huge but, uh, Muncy fan. I'm just not taking somebody that could have such a severe injury uh, at, at the pick that he costs. Mm-hmm. Um, Rice Iglesias is another re-signing. He goes back to L.A. I love the offseason that they're having here. Um, you know, They didn't go out and get a Ray or a Gosman. They didn't get like one of the big dogs, but they have – sprinkled everything around you know mm-hmm. the thor and lorenzen signings for the rotation the iglesias re-signing the loop signing for the bullpen i like what they're doing i think i think they are making some solid moves here i'd like to see them continue when when the lockout's lifted but uh solid move here obviously we know what he can do for them he was excellent this past year rice iglesias was and you know i think he's gonna be very solid coming in right behind Giovanni Gallegos uh, as far as closers go because Gallegos is definitely better unquestionably but I do think Rice Iglesias will have a good season what, what say you yeah I mean I, I love this for them I love it for him uh, he seemed really comfortable especially in the second half uh, 38% K rate Justin yeah I mean he was unbelievable uh, and there is nobody challenging him in this bullpen no uh, he's got nobody. a long uh, leash too. yeah so uh, yeah I mean, he's my number four closer. Uh, so it's, uh, I believe it's three or four, actually. Um, he's my fifth behind Gallegos. But the kind of guy who you're not, he's my number three closer uh, behind a, a guy who we don't even know if he's closing. Who? Yeah, no, you, you're, you're, you have him. Oh, Gallegos. Yeah, we don't even know Gallegos. Yes, we do. He's gonna close. Stop it. All right, let's talk some. Uh, let's talk some Boston action. They did a couple different things here. They had some signings and a trade. Let's get to the trade first. Hunter Renfro is gone, and just straight away, this looks like a a prospect buy, which I like. By the way, I think these these moves are sharp when teams do that. They realize that hey, we'll pay the money on somebody's contract to improve our our prospect stock coming back. So they traded Hunter Renfro to Milwaukee for david hamilton and alex Benellis, and then they had to take on the contract of jackie bradley jr to get that i i feel like maybe they had gotten like one guy or or lesser guys if they hadn't taken on the uh i think 12 11 mil that he's going to make this year so they bought a couple prospects in Benellis and david hamilton uh and moved renfro out to milwaukee he goes from one solid hitting park to another um you know I think he helps this lineup. They lose Avisel Garcia. He's basically the replacement, right? Uh, Hunter Renfro in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think he can do? I mean, Renfro is uh, was really, really impressive this year. He was one of those guys where, like, uh, when I was I was starting my ranks uh, back in, like, September, August, September, 
uh, for the 2022 season where like I, I just pulled like what the dollar values were on each position and I went well Renfro's really really high I gotta go take a look at what he's doing and it's just uh, he made some real gains this year uh, and I think some of them are pretty believable uh, you know I I, th- I don't know that he's gonna necessarily hit 259 again but like if he can get full-time playing time the way he did in Boston uh, he's a 30 home run hitter with probably like a 245 you know 250 batting average um, which you know has value especially he's still not being like super respected for what he did uh, in terms of his ADP and I'm bringing that up right now uh, his ADP is 180 um, yeah I'm, I'm totally fine with that and I, you know I love oh, the move yeah. to Milwaukee another great his park like you mentioned uh, and yeah it should be should be another good season for him like there's I, I not did... much competition either yeah. Oh, there's no way that he wouldn't. Uh, there, there's no way that he's not just going to get full playing time. Like he mm-hmm. is, he is the guy there because one of the things you talked about, uh, Hunter Renfro maybe not necessarily getting his due for how good he's been. Uh, his defense is really mm-hmm. good, and that's definitely something that will sustain him. So I definitely like that aspect of it too. He also made gains against right-handed uh, pitching, which is huge. Yeah, he he hit 250 against righties, where he's been a career 225 guy. So I mean, to 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 make those kind of gains, uh, is uh is is really good sign for a guy like Renfro. Because I mean, the question is like, can he be a full time player? Uh, you know, and it's it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like he had like a obscene BABIP against righties or something like that, that kind of propped it up as 275 BABIP um, against right-handed pitching. Like, I think these are kind of some legitimate gains and we're seeing the kind of player we thought we were starting to see in San Diego before they, you know, kind of, you know, to send him out of there. Well, didn't he have like a, a, a little hint of a year and then a complete mm-hmm. fall off year with them? It was, no, it was, it was his last year in San Diego. He had 33 home runs, Oh, he had 26 home runs in, in 2018 with a 248. Then he had 33. It was Tampa Bay. And then they Tampa traded him was... to Tampa, and Tampa yeah. just straight up platooned him. And um, he was terrible. I mean, it's a short season. Who knows what he would have done in a full year. But in the 42 games of 2020, Renfro was dreadful. So he was like free last year. Turns out 259 average, 31 homers, 96 ribs, 89 runs excellent year with the premium defense uh i think in miller park or whatever the hell they're calling it right i actually don't remember so i'm not even trying to not call it the right name I, it's something silly like american family or something dumb like Still that park to me. yeah i mean like i hate count the, the stadium changes. I, just, I, I do they're, they're, they're just, some of them are so bad like like i still can't call the giants park oracle like i just like, oh yeah it's, not, it's like it's ninth name are, are you still a pack bell guy yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like it's just, you just it's really three, committed three to com, pack, right? No, yeah, uh, three com. <laughs> I believe that's candlestick before. It was yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I like Renfro. I think he is who he is in terms of just being a solid power guy, and that's all we need him to be. And what'd you say he's going? Pick one eighty ish. Yeah, pick one eighty. Uh, you know, I mean, and it's not like it's not a great price, and there are some guys going around there I actually kind of prefer, but. Um, 
you, you know, max pick is 210. We start seeing him, you know, going outside the top 200. I think that becomes a really nice price. But and he's going right behind Joey Gallo. Uh, so I was going to ask you to compare the two. So because we've seen more batting average potential from Renfro, or batting average ability from Renfro. He cut his strikeout rate down to 23% last year. There's some legitimacy to that. Do you prefer Renfro to Gallo? I don't. Um, you still prefer Gallo? I still prefer Gallo just because – like the power is so prodigious with with Gallo, uh, it is, it and is. he he chips in some stolen bases as well, which is nice. True, true, but is it not offset by the batting average? Yeah, I think it's fair. I think I mean it kind of depends on team construction. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, I will say, Gallo did not steal a base in the second half. Really? Wow. Which. Right makes you wonder if he's not going to steal on the Yankees. Renfro was 20th uh, among outfielders last year. Gallo was down at 34. That's just one year. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think team construction matters there. I, I think that's fair. You know, if you are looking for the guy who can maybe hit 45 and has like a decent shot to do it, you go Gallo. I think Renfro has the power to do it, but we've never really seen him push that. Um, Gallo has essentially 340 homer season i know he only hit 38 this year uh but i'll I'll give him credit i'll round up for him and say the 41 40 in 2017 2018 then 38 this year uh i'll I'll, for the sake of argument call it 340 homer seasons but he can barely hit my weight for a batting average Mm -hmm. you know so it 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 depends what you need completely different player in, in discussion but nelson cruz is going after him 189 Wow. I know he's are... not signed. But he won't come move up on. that much when he like he'll move up when he gets signed. We talk about this all the time. Guys will definitely move up. Do you think this is a overreaction to his work in Tampa Bay? Because he was just kind of blase with them and the fact that he's gonna be forty one. I think it's people forgetting that he's even around still or, or something. I, I think you're right. I, I I think it's people like printing out their uh positional ranks to do with no, with no dh's with no dh's and just forgetting them uh because i drafted him uh in, in in this draft that i'm in right now in the 13th round and felt pretty fucking great about it i i think you're dead on um he will move up when he get when he gets signed somewhere at cruise will but it'll still be a good price and he's in that phase now i mean he's been in this phase for a while but he's really in the phase now where being util only and old is just going to keep the price down, and yet he keeps performing, even with the, the Tampa Bay uh, performance not being great. He had a 96 WRC plus in those 55 games. He was good enough with Minnesota to have a 122 on the season with mm-hmm. 32 homers, 86 ribbies. There's nothing wrong with that. And I'm only bringing this up because of how funny it is, not to suggest that you should count these for next year. He had three stolen bases. How the hell did that happen? He's a speed demon. I, I miss uh, Je- Jeff Sullivan because he definitely would have had a winter article mm-hmm. highlighting uh, the three stolen bases that Nelson Cruz had with like gifts of all three of them and uh, a-, a proper roast of the catchers and pitchers who allowed him to get three stolen two, bases. Two of them came against your Tigers. <laughs> ah, son of a bitch. I, I wonder if it was the same pitcher. No, oh, maybe actually. No, I need to. I, I need to look There's... at this. Because this is absolutely embarrassing. Because um, I wonder, I wonder if it was like the same pitcher, and he was just like, like I don't care, like just go ahead and steal. He's like, I, I, yeah, he's like, uh, you, 
you don't scare me here. You you can you can have this. The other one was against the the Royal Sal Perez. Good job, Sal. Oh, Eric Haas was oh, one it, of them. I think it might have been against the same guy. It was uh, no, it it was Daniel Norris and Eric Haas, and then Joe Jimenez, Jake Rogers for the other one. But yeah, two of his three against the Tigers. Way to go, Tigers! Um, anyway, that's uh, that's the uh, the power outfielders going around pick 180 to 200. There, pick your favorite between Cruz, Renfro, and Gallo. Uh, Boston still in the news. Made some signings as well. Got a couple of arms. James Paxton and Rich Hill. I know you didn't know this. So I'm not going to pretend that we didn't talk about this beforehand. But I, I gave you a little tidbit that I learned online about Rich Hill and Boston. Do you know this is his seventh free agent deal with them? <laughs> it's insane. Like, uh, that's crazy. Uh, it's also really weird, these sightings. I mean... They ne- roster resource now has them with a six man rotation. Um, well, they they won't keep that, and that does not include Paxton in the rotation. Oh yeah, it doesn't. So for those of you who are drafting Tanner Houck, like he's gonna be a starter, you may be they wrong on that. Yeah, and, um, and I even really Michael like him. Waka I, I, may yeah. not be a starter. I, I think Waka. I think Waka um, has a big chance to not be a star. Like there, there's a good chance that he's in the bullpen as a hybrid. There's also the fact that Eovaldi has a lengthy injury history. Chris Sale's Sale still coming off of you know bingo. Nick Pavetta's Nick Pavetta. It's Pavetta bingo. Um, we we're going to see Rich the exact Hill same thing there. Injury history. He's 400 years old, so they yeah. need seven, eight guys like Paxton. I like, like how they like go. Hey, we've got some injury prone guys. You know what we should add to this? More injury prone guys. Injury prone guys. Yeah, not only more in terms of volume, but more in terms of the fact that they are more severely injury prone too. So they're kind of throwing the kitchen sink at it and hoping to find five guys among these uh, seven right now. And frankly, they should probably sign another one or two. Oh, there's also the fact, isn't Garrett Whitlock supposed to start? That has been one of the rumors is that they're kind of toying with the idea of him starting. So... I don't know how you take him out of the bullpen considering the state of the rest of that bullpen. True, true. So we'll see. There's a lot to be settled there. Um, I'm not going to do too much of a deep dive on Hill and Paxton because Hill, we kind of know what he is. I mean, he did throw 159 innings last year. Paxton should be undraftable. That's what I was going to ask you. Is there even a scenario where you're taking him? No, his surgery for his Tommy John surgery was on April 14th. Oh, yeah. So I don't even know that he's going to be ready to go. Did they sign him to a multi-year deal? I will take a look at that. Give me one moment. I was looking up his ADP. Yeah, he's not even being drafted. You are, you're dead on with that. Yeah. Um, Paxton, Paxton, Paxton. Got to spell it properly to find him. Paxton has a one-year $10 million deal. That's weird. I agree. Like, there's a reasonable chance he does oh, not. Oh, I'm a dumbass. Hang on. Two team options. Oh, okay, okay. So two team 23, options. 23-24 okay. team options that could total 35 mil. So if he comes back in the second half and they see some things that they like out of Big Maple, 
then they'll you know they'll pick up the first option and then obviously they'll play it by year in 23 to determine if they want to get okay so that makes sense i I was thinking it was going to be something like similar to what like garrett richards did when he was coming back whereas like Mm -hmm. san diego knew they weren't going to get much from him the first year but they really wanted him for the second year uh and that's what this feels like so i'm not drafting paxton in any formats for this season uh rich hill uh yeah i mean it's interesting like i think he's kind of a lower end starter guy you can kind of stream in and off your roster uh he's also dirt cheap justin he's you know pick 447 on average so you know you can talk about all the flaws of him with his health and and some of the volatility but if you play roto and not head to head because in head to head he can he can lose you a couple weeks he probably will at some point he'll also win you a couple weeks but you know he has that volatility but he always finds his level i mean we can talk about some of the blowups he's had but his his worst era since uh since 2013 is 386 and it was this year that was this year in 159 innings so he threw 159 innings like that's that's impressive for he only threw 38 and two-thirds that's his second highest of his career. Yeah. I mean, I he's yeah, I didn't realize he was going that low. I wonder if he's still available in this draft I'm doing. I mean, again, I like the price here because all the issues with Rich Hill are built into that price and then some. So if you like him, you you can you can pay anything after the pick 400 and feel fine with it, you know? Mhm. So, um, okay, so that's Boston. They made some moves. We'll see what they do out of the uh, uh, out of the lockout as well. I don't think that they're done. And no, uh, I, I would be surprised if they were done. Uh, no, because their pitching still isn't where it needs to be. And that was always my is a yeah major problem still. That was always my concern with them last year when when they were doing what they were doing. I was like, I I don't buy it because the pitching feels fraudulent and. You know, push come to shove, it ended up kind of being that way. So we'll see what they do to continue to address that. Let's talk about another guy. You you may have heard of this name before, back when he pitched with Texas, and you're probably like, well, why, why are you guys talking about that move? Nick Martinez is coming back to the majors with the Padres, and again, we're talking about a 477-145 career ERA WHIP uh, with ERAs over five and a half each of his last two seasons back in 2016, 2017 in the majors. However, he went overseas and, uh, and found himself a bit 293 ERA 121 whip. Uh, you know, nothing major with the strikeouts. He's still, you know, down at 7.0, but good walk rate and just pitched pretty well. And now he's going to come back over and try to be the latest, uh, who finds himself overseas, comes back and, and, has like new life as a major leaguer. Are you interested in Nick Martinez as a Padre? Uh, Absolutely. Um, This is a little bit of a bummer for me uh, because I was hoping to sneak him in uh, some like DCs and stuff like that uh, really, really late uh, Mm -hmm. thinking that people wouldn't have known what he was doing over in Japan. (laughs) You know better than that now though. Yeah. But, uh, I follow some pretty pretty smart guys uh, who cover uh, the Japan League and, and then uh, the KBO as well. Uh, and um, Katsu Yamazaki, I, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, um, who's at pretty well there. Katsu underscore Yamazaki uh, on Twitter. He's a, he's a contributor at Baseball Prospectus. 
he tweeted about Martinez months ago and really talked, uh, did a nice little breakdown of like what he's been doing. Um, and, uh, that he thought that he could come back to the U S and, and be successful. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of excited about Nick Martinez. Uh, and it looks like someone already drafted him in this draft. Dang, Son you're getting scooped a... left and right, man. Oh. So uh, he's got, uh, let's see here. He's got a four-year, $20 million deal. So definitely a low investment for them to try to you know, figure out uh, what they've got here. Basically what he ended up kind of figuring out overseas was he added some velo up mm-hmm. to 94 miles an hour, uh, which you know is not blazing, but I believe he lived in, I'm pulling it up right now. Yeah, he was like 90... 92 93ish 92 and a half was his was his peak back in 2017 uh for for a season other than that yeah he was 90 to 92 and the changeup got a lot better and that's definitely a trend that we've seen of guys going over you know your Chris Flexens, Josh Lindblums, Merrill Kelly, Miles Michaelis they all went over and they they tighten up their fastball command and everything but usually one one or two secondary pitches pops off and really sets them apart and for Martinez it's his changeup with San Diego uh remember last you know at the beginning of of 2021 and they were having those amazingly exciting series with with the Dodgers and all that and they had quote unquote too much pitching and there's a reason that the adage you can never have too much pitching is so popular and legitimate because by the end of the year they were piecing it together with like freaking scotch tape and and string it was it was not good so they are back in a situation where things look pretty good they've got Musgrove Darvish Snell and then Clevenger returning and then Martinez at the 5 with a couple of prospects working their way toward being uh some depth for them but do you think martinez does open with that with that fifth spot there uh i think he does um which by the way uh sorry to interrupt you but we'll put your prophecy in full bloom with denelson lamette in the bullpen it took you a little bit to be correct on that but but you're right it yeah i think he i think lamette's in the bullpen uh yeah and uh, though I do think Lamette could emerge as a closer at some point, I think so too. I think uh, he could. Uh, I actually drafted him in in this DC um, accidentally because I forgot to set my queue before I went to sleep last night and woke up to oh. uh, to Nelson Lamette and Buster Posey in the twenty eighth and twenty ninth rounds. Oh no, Buster <laughs> Posey, that's tough. Dude. Yeah, it's it, it's all right. I already have Joey Bart, so it's just the backup, right? Oh yeah, I mean that's the you know. Uh, by the way. If you did not read my roster review on the Padres, my hot take was Denelson Lamette, not just 25 saves. So you and I are simpatico with this notion that he could become their closer. Uh, we're going to talk about their their 2021 closer uh, on his new team in a moment here. So it's an open job right now. And I know people are going to want to go with Emilio Pagan again because he gets hyped as a closer every offseason. Stop, y'all. He has a 1.8 career home run rate. You can't close with that kind of home run rate. He was at 2.3 this past year. He gives up way too many homers to be a closer. Stop with the Emilio Pagan thing. Unless there is a stark change in his approach, he cannot close. A team will not feel confident with that. I, I would think, put the. F- I think it's more likely that Luis Garcia is the closer than Emilio Pagan. I think so too. 
Um, I think Pierce Johnson mm-hmm. is ahead of. Yeah, I, I think that's Lugan who, is like that's who Ross Resource has right now is Pierce. Johnson. Okay, yeah. So Pierce Johnson, Luis Garcia, Lamette, and Austin Adams. Don't sleep on him. He's back. Um, he he pitched last year. I think a little bit under the radar that he got fifty two and two thirds. He's fully back. He still walks a ton of guys. But he's so difficult to square up in any real capacity. He had a 4.8 hits nine and a 0.2 homer rate. I, I think he'll be a little bit higher than that. But you get the point about how difficult it was to do anything off of Adams. The only thing you can really do is go up there and just stand with the bat on your shoulders and hope to draw a walk. He did have a 15% rate. So their closer job is open. Maybe they still get somebody, um, you know. It feels like a Padres move to get Kenley Jansen. I don't know. I don't think that they should do that. I think they should go in-house with the guys that they have. But I could see them doing that to try to, like, troll the Dodgers. And then, you know, because they got that little brother syndrome. So I think they'd be like, aha, we got your closer. And the Dodgers would be like, yeah, we don't care. Like, we already used all the good of him, and he's too old. Not that I think he's he's toast. But, you know, I don't think that they would be floored by that. I think the Dodgers would be like, Okay, fine. You paid a 34-year-old, you know, 20 mil or whatever. Actually, someone in someone in the comments uh, made fun of me for saying that he would make 20 mil, and I was like, I, I don't think that's too far off. I think he might make 20 mil. But anyway, that's not that's neither here nor there. Nick Martinez put a little star next to him. He's very cheap. He's going to start to get some buzz in the vein of of a Josh Lindblom, uh, Miles Michaelis type. Uh, he's this year's iteration there, and then the closer role in San Diego right now is open. We'll see what they do after the lockout. Let's talk about Cesar Hernandez, who I originally pushed back against you and said, do we really have to include him? Like, what's so good about what he's doing? I didn't realize that he popped 21 homers. And you you mentioned that he had a really strong start to the season and then tailed off. Because when he went from the Cleveland uh, Indians to the White Sox, he didn't do anything. Uh, He he was 15 first half home runs. Yeah. And then six the rest of the way, of course. So... He, he sputtered into the finish line, but we're not going to judge him just off the two months uh, with, with the uh, with, with the White Sox. We're going to look at what he's been doing, and this was a, a new power level, 21 homers, definitely a career high. He has seasons of 15 and 14 previously. He doesn't run anymore. Uh, he had literally zero attempts in 58 games of 2020 and just two attempts this year, and his batting average tanked down to 232 this year. Is Cesar Hernandez just kind of this, this uh, you know, all or nothing power dude at second base? And is he not better as the guy that he used to be over this? Um, that's an interesting question because I, I, I think he got pretty unlucky in terms of his batting average. Now, like the underlying skills definitely declined, but not to the point where he. Uh, he should have hit 232. He had a 266 BABIP this year. Um, so, and I bet you, if I look at what his, his X batting average still was pretty low though. What was his batted ball profile? Cause I, I see the, uh, I see the BABIP 266 and that's uncharacteristic for him. It's almost a hundred points lower than 20. It looks like he then... did try to just sell out. Cause I mean, uh, you know, his, his fly ball percentage went up from 27 and a half percent to 35%. Um, yeah, so that, that's and it, and a big part of that came out of his line drive rate. Yeah. He wasn't like necessarily pulling the ball a ton or anything. Um but he still hit you know, hard hit percentage went down. 
you know, his uh, his contact rates, like I said, declined a little bit, but I mean, he's still almost at 89% zone contact percentage. Like, I don't think it should have fallen off this bad, but it, you know, maybe just, I mean, it clearly was some sort of approach change uh, that didn't work. Uh, <laughs> That's what I was saying. Like, the, the, power, the power is cool and all. But I kind of prefer the guy who could swing for some nice batting average with a little double-digit Yeah, absolutely. Give me the guy who hits 280 with, you know, 15 home runs um, as opposed to the guy who hits 20, you know, home runs with a 230. Yeah. I'd uh, take eight homers if it came with 15 steals and a 290 average again, mm-hmm. which is damn near what he did in 2017, 915 and 294. I, I, I want that guy back. I will say both of his stolen base attempts did come after going to Chicago – and one of the things I had mentioned prior to the 2021 season was that I wondered if his stolen base drop-off had more to do with Cleveland telling him not to run. And there might be a little bit of credence to that based so, on, on... Now going you... to Washington, uh, I wonder if he's allowed to move on the base pass a little bit more. Though, I mean, right now they have, we haven't penciled him to hit right in front of Juan Soto. This is a great place to hit, but are they going to let him run in front of Juan Soto? Exactly. Now, he scored 84 runs, uh, spending most of the year at Cleveland. And that, you know, he went to a very strong White Sox lineup after that, but didn't do his best work. In front of Soto, he could push 95 plus mm-hmm. if he's getting on base at a clip that he can, because uh, Cesar Hernandez is a career 345 OBP down to 308 this past year. If he gets back to the guy he's been, I think he could be a sneaky 90-plus runs uh, with a little punch and a batting average. I want him to get back to the guy he's been, stop selling out for power, and just score for days in front of Juan Soto uh, mm-hmm. driving him in. That would be fantastic. Um, when I, you st- my question becomes, like, why do the Nationals hate Luis Garcia? Oh, because they, they signed a second baseman to kind of uh, block yeah, him off? Yeah, like, I mean, I guess Garcia could – play short you play yeah but we just talked there. about them being but it, they're Correa a team that's also story yeah seekers. in on Korea. like why do they well, and they have alcides escobar hello yeah. they've got their shortstop for the next six of years of course <laughs> uh like why do they hate a 21 year old that like yeah i know he hasn't like been like out of this world good or anything like that but like but, at but 21 he's chance. got 386 plate appearances with 254 batting average, eight home runs, stolen base. Like, this is a kid, like, they should be in a team, like, that's rebuilding. Like, they should be giving him every opportunity to play. I totally agree with that. Like, you know, he killed it at AAA this year. And it's 159 plate appearances, and maybe they're not sold that that's it. So give him a little bit more seasoning down there. But he doesn't have a ton more to prove. I think he should be learning at the big league level, especially, as you say, they were a last-place team. They're not going to completely turn it around this year. Why aren't they playing him? I fully agree with you. Uh, maybe Escobar won't play as much, though, and Garcia will start to get some PT there. I hope. because I, I, would, I would hope, yeah. It, so if, I don't think he's necessarily good defensively uh, at shortstop. I, that, that is a problem. He is not. He's very much not. And that that is definitely a problem. So we'll we'll see how that goes with Luis Garcia. But but this this Cesar Hernandez signing does ding his outlook. So if you were getting excited about Garcia as a late round, uh, you know, potential bloomer, that might be on hold a little bit. Uh, and 
they seem to have been blocked him off now with a couple of crusty veterans in Hernandez and LCD Escobar, who they already had. So, uh, but yeah, with with Cesar Hernandez, uh, is he someone you'll draft for middle? Or Probably are you past not. Because There's of the so new... many options at middle. Um, that I just so many more intriguing ones too, in terms of uh, different profiles that I have, have him thirty sixth. I have him at second. Yeah, I had him even lower. I have to move him up a little bit because a couple guys have had their playing times shift. But even with the move up, which I just did, he's still 40th. Yeah. Take him or Haseon Kim? Kim, I have ahead. Same. Same. I, I, I Right ahead. I have Kim at 35. Well, I have Kim at 33. We, we liked him last year, and he obviously did not pan out. I'm not budging this year because he's going to be much cheaper, and mm-hmm. I still think there's upside with him. Uh, but, yeah, too. that's – The question that's is, like – where does he get full-time playing time on the Padres? True. It's one of those things, though, where um, maybe he's there, Chris Taylor, uh, yeah. you know, and, and plays every day bouncing around. And then as injuries crop up, he is the fill-in for two, three weeks at a time for just about any injury. Because yeah. didn't he play a little outfield, too? He didn't. My he, he oh, he did Short, third, and second. Okay, so it's all uh, infield. Okay, for some reason I thought Cronenworth he had outfield. can play outfield. That and is that, true. That's, that's where you find – the playing time for for Kim is, you know, they can move Cronenworth the outfield or first base, um, if they can ever figure out a way to get rid of Eric Hosmer's contract. God, they would love to do that. Yeah. You know, they can just get rid of it. They'd have to pay him, but they can just cut him if they really don't like. Teams him. just don't do that, especially. No, like I know, Padres. I know. That was tongue in cheek. That was the, the, you, you can't, like you can't, and I. We've been as negative on Hosmer mm-hmm. uh, as you can be. And I would still never advocate a team just cut bait like that because at worst, he can be just a solid league average guy. And I know that's not worth what he's being paid, but you got to pay it anyway. So, yeah, you, you, you can't just. Yeah, cut the, it. The, the hard part is he's he's still got like 14 years left. No, I mean, he's, he's a free agent in 2026. So he's got. Oh, that's so old, Justin. I thought you were going to say something much sooner than that. No. No. When you said nah, like to tone me down, I thought you'd be like, nah, he's a free agent after 2024. 2026? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my so, God. So, with three more years? Is that right? 22, 23, 24, 24 more years. 25. Uh, and so. me thinks he will not opt out this year, which he can after this season, but he'd have to have like a dream season. Yeah, there's no way he opts out. Like, there's no, like, he seriously, he'd have to hit like 320 with 35 homers. Just have like the craziest year out of out of nowhere. And I still Which don't he's know never if opt out. Like, of course, yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, th- there is no world where Hosmer, yeah, they're stuck with it. Anyway, moving on. Corey Kniebel out to Philly. Bullpen has been an issue for this team. They- they're trying to open a contention window, and and pitching continues to kind of get in their way. Now, their offense wasn't exactly, uh, uh, you know, above reproach this year, but it was the strength of the team. The pitching outside of Wheeler and Ranger Suarez uh, was the problem. And the bullpen specifically, because even Nola, you know, I know he was unlucky, uh, had an ugly ERA, but he was even fine too. Like they have some starting pitching, but their bullpen is a problem. Am I crazy to think that Knievel could come in and be, and be closer, for, be the closer from day one? Yes and no. Yes, I'm crazy or... Well, yes and no. Well, you did no. say yes so, and no, so, so yeah. Go, yeah go, yes, go. you're crazy Explain. and no, you're not crazy. Uh I do think he could be closing 
uh, for the Phillies day one, I don't think he will have the job to himself because I, I don't know how well he can do back to backs. Okay. Um, and so I think that if this is the bullpen that the Phillies run with, and I can't imagine it is. Like, this is a team ready to compete. Like, they've got yeah. a lot of the pieces in order to do that. Um, they need a, they need more pieces in this bullpen. This bullpen is they, still They could good. be a Correa story sooner, by the way, too. Did we mention them? Uh, I don't think we did. We should, because D.D. Gregorius ain't it. Yeah, I don't know that they're gonna be though. I think if they're gonna if they're gonna add it, they gotta add to the pitching. Um, like I think uh, I they mean, could be a Kim. Why like, not this both? Is, no, they could. I mean, well, who were you, who were you gonna say? I'm sorry. I I think this is the Kimbrel team. Like this is this to me feels oh, yeah. like where Kimbrel ends up, uh, or Kenley. Um, but yeah. I still feel like Kenley ends up back in LA. That just seems like the the most logical fit. Um, but, I, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Especially uh, because they didn't retain Kimbrell. Um, I mean, they have Trinan still, they who could call it, but yeah, I, I, I could see that. So uh, I said retain Kimbrell. I meant retain, uh, Knievel. Um, Kimbrell is going to get traded. We talked about that last mm. episode. Uh, there's just no doubt about it. There was no doubt even before Graveman, but it's, it's locked and loaded. You're right though, that they, they need to address the pitching, but I, I still think, you know, get, the big signing with one of the shortstops and still supplementing the pitching could be the way for them. Don't forget they 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 retain Kyle Gibson, so their top four is not bad. Wheeler, Nola, Suarez, Gibson is a solid four. Yeah, and then they can figure out the fifth starter. We have Hans Kraus penciled in right it depends now. Depends on when Eflin's ready after his exactly. knee surgery, or um, I'm sure there'll be a team that uh, kind of looks at you know, some of the cheaper fifth starters, uh, on the market. They will sign a pitcher for sure. Yeah, for I sure. Agree. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think relief pitching is, is what this team really needs. Uh, so like, I think if you're drafting right now, I think Knievel seems like the logical choice and the words from the GM after that is that they're no longer in the market for a closer. I don't believe that at all. Uh, but if they you don't, call, you call then, BS on that. yeah, <laughs> totally. That to me feels like, Hey, we don't want to be strong armed into giving up too much for Craig Kimbrell. I, I think okay. you're right. And, and Hey, that's, that's smart on his part. You mm-hmm. know, one people might not believe it, but at least they can say, Hey, you saw what we said in the media. We're not going to go crazy here and yeah. overpay. Um, and they can at least try to give them a little bit of leverage. But yeah, I think right now you draft as though Kniebel is a partial guy, like mm-hmm. a, a an eighteen save kind of guy, and then we go from there. And then obviously by the by the time spring drafts come, we will have a lot more clarity on it uh, and what what's going on in Philly. I mean, that being said, like I think right now you move Kniebel up to being kind of like a, maybe just outside your top twenty at really. I put pitcher. him just inside it to be honest okay. but yeah so i'm right there with you i put him at 18 so if you're saying just outside we're still very close yeah i i've, I've got him at uh 21 i think so okay uh though i need who, to who, who are the couple guys right ahead of him because the, the closer ranks are a nightmare right now. yeah i've got just ahead of him right now i have trying in and soto okay i have soto like literally uh right next to him so uh and joe barlow right behind him yeah we have the same like where a couple numbers are off but i think our, our rankings are pretty similar here in yeah, terms of this area I mean, 
I don't take uh, closer rank super serious this early. Same. Because so much can change. Um, For me, it's like the first six or seven guys and then literally everybody else. And I kind of play it based on who I get from mm-hmm. the early portion of the draft to decide where I want to go with the middle guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a top, there's like a clear top eight for me. Um, and then the rest, it's kind of like, yeah, like Jordan Romano, Mark Melanson, Kim Romano, Rowe. Romano's in that group for me. I just feel like Toronto, like the one spot Toronto can really like bolster right now is, is the bullpen. A bridge just, to him though. I, is what, is what, what I hope. And I, I can understand that. At the same time, I could also see them being the Kimbrel suitor. Being they could the, get Kimbrel. Yep. They could get Jansen. Jansen. I agree. You know. I wonder if they'd be tepid on getting Jansen though after the Yates situation. Not that Jansen is Yates, but you know, you know that you get that mental block of like, well, the last time we signed a closer, he busted without even pitching for us. That was uh, such wonder... a bad deal, though. Like it just. Oh yeah, no, it it. It, it was it was it was not great. I, I mean, Kimbrel makes the most sense because it's just a one year commitment. Like, and it's yes. you know, um, and you got to give an asset, but I doubt that you know it's not going to be one any of their like top five prospects or anything. No, and I don't. I don't even know if they. It might be like a, a major league piece too. Like, because I, I wonder if that you know the White Sox are looking to compete. Right now, so like I don't think the White Sox. I mean, sure they they'll be fine, like bolstering their minor leagues to uh, to strengthen things. But um, I think maybe it could be like a major league piece, like a like Biggio. Uh, Biggio would be interesting. I don't know that they want to sell that low on Biggio, but I was thinking like maybe like a Grechuk, um, or yeah. maybe like yeah. one of the seventeen catchers they have. I was gonna say that, but then they have Grandal. Yeah, but they, you they don't really have a second another, catcher. And yeah, Grandal's right. what he, he had some injuries this year, so no, you're like, right. Maybe... That was where my that's where I first went too. So I, I think you might be right. Danny Jansen for Kimbrel could make some sense, mm-hmm. and then turn over the the reins to Kirk and McGuire with Gabriel Moreno uh, working his way up. Or Moreno, there is no uh, Tildy. I don't think it's Moreno. Um, so yeah, that, that's actually a good call. That's where I went first, but then I was like, well, wait, Grandal. But you're right. They don't really have a, a reliable second. They I don't think Sebi Zavala is the dude, or maybe and Zach a, Collins can't catch. Maybe a – I mean, and this, I'm not necessarily saying for the Blue Jays, but for the White Sox, like maybe it's a package deal. Like maybe we, uh, you know, trade uh, Kimbrel and Mercedes. Um, Ooh, yeah. Like, you know, you get both. And then we get another piece back. So won't like, Larusa miss Mercedes too much though? He <laughs> loves him so much. Is Larusa so... resigned? Oh, I don't know. I think he is, isn't he? Is he? I, I thought he was in the last. I thought he had only one year. I can't remember. I can't either. But God, they should get rid of him anyway. Uh, you mentioned a guy that is our next one. So a little transition over here to uh, Mark Melanson. He signs with Arizona on a two-year, $14 million deal. He will not fulfill both years. He will be traded, um, almost certainly, right? Obviously, things can happen. But if he's pitching the way Mark Melanson does and has pitched for the last several years, he will 1,000% be traded at the deadline. He's uh, you know, very steady, Eddie Closer. Not going to blow away the competition. Not a huge strikeout guy. Keeps the ball down. 
keeps the ball in the park, the anti-Pagan. And, um, you know, even at age 37, he's still getting the job done. He put up 39 saves last year at age 36. He'll enter his age 37 season with a skill set that looks pretty bankable. Going to Arizona, he's going to be the guy. I mean, they had a disastrous situation in the bullpen this year. So he's the dude. Um, do you agree with me that he gets traded? Or do you, do you think there's yeah, no I mean, reason they would keep him around, right, at age 37 beyond the first half? Yeah, yeah, I, I can't imagine. I think this is sign a guy for an affordable price that we can flip uh, and we'll still have another year on the uh, – on on the contract to make a maybe get some extra prospects here absolutely um, so like this is you know Melanson could end up you know to whoever doesn't get Kimbrel and LA at some point during the season so mm-hmm. uh yeah I mean I like this uh Lanson's the quote-unquote proven closer kind of guy uh and uh I have missed my number 12 and I think you can make the argument that he should be higher that speaks in large part to the uh, to the closer landscape, though, too, because not that he can't do it. We just got done talking about how he gets the job done, but the lack of uh, bankable closers. The reason that I I, I kind of take a little dig at him though is more Arizona situation because he's not going to get thirty nine saves again. But I think he can get, you know, twenty with them before he leaves. Yeah, and then you know some more when. He, uh, you know, ends up on a better team. Yeah, so. yeah. And I will treat this kind of in the uh, the the way I treated the Rich Rod situation. And it didn't necessarily work out. I was drafting Rich Rod pretty, pretty regularly with the idea that he might close for another team. Now, he didn't. He ended up going to the Braves where he was uh, part of their bridge. But I took what I could get and then deal with it at, at the midseason. I'm going to draft Melanson as a second or third closer and hope that he gets traded somewhere where he continues to close. But if not, I know what I'm getting. Like I'm, I'm already being able to plan for the fact that, uh, uh, that, that he will only close for half a season for sure. And that he might then end up being a, um, uh, a, a setup guy the rest of the way. So, all right, that's Mark Melanson. And then this last one here, you begged me, you begged me to, no, I'm kidding. This was the guy you were like, do we really have to include him? You're going to make fun of Cesar Hernandez and then you're going to include Dylan Bundy? Yes, I'm going to include Dylan Bundy because um, we play a lot of deep leagues and uh, he's going to Minnesota. Now, he had the 2020 breakout and, you know, we've talked about this kind of ad nauseum about how little we actually learned from that season. It, it took the 2021 season for people to relearn the notion of small samples and and how, you know, little they actually tell. But uh, it turned out he was not ready to kind of emerge despite that good two-month run there uh, with his 65 and two-thirds innings because he was a disaster in 2021, even worse than he had been previously. It was a career-worst ERA at 606 with a 136 whip. Uh, The walks jumped back up. The strikeouts tumbled. The home runs soared. That was actually the big difference was that his home runs jumped back up to Baltimore levels and completely tanked Bundy. He is still on the right side of 30 at age 29. Uh, you know, jokes aside, do you have any interest here in some of the deeper formats that we play, or are you just fully out on Dylan Bundy as an entity? Because I, I'm pretty sure you did not like him last year, and you were you were. Yeah, I've never that. really been a Dylan Bundy guy. Um, yeah. I mean, at his price, I guess you take the gamble uh, because 
considering what the options are in the Minnesota uh, rotation, like he's going to have a role. He's their ace, dude. <laughs> Roster Resource has him as their SP. That's what I'm saying. One. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's free right now. He's 470th off the board. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, I, th- I think you take a gamble um, and hope that you just, you know, he gets back to what he was uh, in, in 2020 or 2019, whenever he was actually decent for a, for a second. Um, <clears throat> yeah, 2019, so or 2020, sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, my question, like, do we see the velocity come back up? Like, that's... Um, I just don't know. I, I really don't have any faith, but I think you, you take a spec pick around pick four four seventy and that's okay. Yeah, that's the thing. And I, I I am more pro Bundy than you. I was definitely somebody who was uh interested in him last year coming off the the, the mini breakout with with twenty twenty. It did not work out. Cut bait pretty early on it uh I'll buy back in here just because it is dirt cheap. You do need some pitching depth in like draft and holds. And yeah. in best ball, you know, you take him and if he does kind of get back on track and, and cut the homers, get the velo back up, then a lot of his bad starts can get cut out. Or worst case, if he's as bad as he was this past year, then he just never gets used in your best ball, right? They, they're just constantly on the bench. So I agree. There's a, you know, if you like Dylan Bundy, as I have in the past, He's cheap enough to jump back in, but you're not having expectations that are very high at all for him. Uh, I will let me ask you really quickly because Bundy is listed as their number one guy, sure. But the two guys that are drawing some fantasy interest are Bailey Ober and Joe Ryan. Mm-hmm. Who do you prefer between those two? Uh, Ryan. But I like both. Me too. Sorry, I muted myself. I, I was agreeing with you and then realized I was on mute. Uh, yes, I, I'm a big Joe Ryan fan. And the one of the main reasons I really, really like him, and I, I've been pretty aggressive on him. Like people are going to see my ranking is pretty high on him. I'll save it for when I release the rankings, but they're going to be like, "Damn, why, why so high?" The main reason is, is because I think he's already fully developed. He comes up. He was age twenty-five this year. He'll be age twenty-six next year. He is who he is. So I think he's ready to kind of be the guy uh, immediately. I, I don't think we need a lot of, uh, growth and development there. I'd like to see him trim down the home run rate a bit, but the strikeouts walks are already there. He's going to be 26. I think he comes in at peak and that's why I like Joe Ryan so much. Bailey Ober. I, I mentioned the, the homers with Joe Ryan. They're really a problem with Bailey Ober. Uh, is there a path to him cutting those homers and, uh, maximizing the strikeout and walk ratio that he's had? Because, those are great rates. I love the strikeouts and walks, but the fact is he allowed 20 homers in 92 and a third. That's a 1.9 rate, which actually matched his walk. He allowed one more homer than he did walks. So it's like, at least there are a lot of solo shots, but that is a little bit worrisome. Is there a path for Bailey over cutting these home runs? I think there is, but I need to see it first. Um, and... I think the thing that saves over a little bit is they just have nobody else in that rotation. Like that, that rotation is so bad that I think Bailey Ober is going to be given a fair amount of rope, but like almost two Homer per nine is 
It's crazy. But yeah. let me tell you one quick thing, Justin. He never had home run issues in the minors. That's the crazy so part. I, I, I'm wondering where this came from. Maybe it was just that he got lucky because he has tiny homer to fly ball rates. Um, and then this year's was 17, which runs higher than average. So maybe if he gets back to league average, he can bring the home run rate down to like a 1-2. A I could live with something like that. The hard Especially part is like, you look at his guys. splits, and they're like so even. Like eight home runs against lefties, twelve home runs against righties, ten home runs on the road, ten home runs at home. Mm-hmm. Like even like so there's the no month, smoking gun, is what you're like, saying. Yeah, there's no like, hey, like th- he has a problem here. He has a problem yeah. with this. He has a. It's just he just leaves things up in the zone a little bit too often. I think it's because how aggressive he can be. Um, maybe you let a few more walks go by instead of attacking the zone when you're buying the count. Yep. We've um, talked about this strategy before and, and don't be afraid to take a walk, um, because you're laying too nice of pitches in, in those deep counts and you're giving up the, the, the homer. So I agree with you there. I do favor Joe Ryan, but I know there's a lot of Bailey Ober buzz. I, I share the buzz, but, uh, Joe Ryan's my guy, man. Like I said, you're going to see how high I have him ranked. Uh, but I know you got to get going. So another great episode talking through these moves next episode, uh, early next week will be continued rankings questions for you. And I will have my rankings up and you can start to question me on some things. So turn the tables will uh, will turn on me. Well, what's the what's the Michael Scott line? What, how the table how the turn turntables turn have turned. I think we botched it as him. Yeah, we, we, we botched way. the botching. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, have a great weekend. I'll talk to you early next week. Uh, peace. Take it easy.